Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. I'm Brad. Oh, I'm sad, Brad. Not sad, dude. So what? I'm, uh, I'm... What were you just telling me? I was just saying, I'm I'm not sad. I'm neutral. No, no, no. And wait, but this is uh, okay, goes okay, into okay, it. Okay, 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 okay. All right, so. I'm neutral all the time. I'm neutral to like a uh, slight chance of salty. You know what I mean? So like I got kind of salty. I'm I'm saying salty. I'm probably three or four years behind on that statement. Salty. That means no. Nah, it's real upset. hip. Is it still hip? No, not at all. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, no, okay. no, it is. It is. It's still it's, a meme. I'm, I'm a little salty. Okay. Well, what happened was I'm on. I'm in the car. You know, and I'm listening to the Bible Broadcast Network. Usually it's it's great, you know, but I, I had to get up and go run an errand really quick, kind of, you know, just hopped out of bed. And I was putting my shoes on before Wait, I had my pants on. What's the Bible That's... Broadcast Network? You were putting your shoes on before. You... It's going to be a bad day if you yeah, try to go bad. shoes and then pants. Yeah, you, you know, I'm like, I got my socks. I'm putting the shoe on. I'm like, what the? Oh, man, I'm almost ready. You know, I've almost finished you, the process. <laughs> tell me you only had socks and shoes on and you still had everything else to go. No, I, I had socks. <laughs> no, I had the shirt. I had the shirt. I had boxers and I and I had socks and shoes. So I was like I could have accidentally walked out the house like that, you know, which would have been fun. <laughs> if I had gone a little bit faster. I was totally in you know, I was in auto mode. Alright, so, right, so what is the BBN and like what does it come on? I've never heard of that. Bible Broadcasting Network is a really great station, and it um it comes on a ninety three point seven. Is that the um, yeah? Is that the um the Sun Life Network? What's his face that 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 no, jump on Blue Bonnet? No, this one's the Sun Life is. Uh, what was his name? What is that ministry? Jimmy Swagger. Jimmy Swagger. Yeah, there's a gi- there's still a giant like semi-abandoned Jimmy Swagger uh, ministry. We used to party in those hotels. I mean those uh, those uh, apartments. It's not abandoned anymore, dude. There's well, a revival sem- going on, bro. Is there? Yeah. Well, his because what happened was Jimmy Swagger's dead, but his son runs it. Oh, okay. And there hasn't been any scandal yeah. with his son yet, so I guess it's still yeah, going. Yeah, it's Jimmy Swagger too, bro. It's Pentecostal. The only time that that he, he Rackham, turned it, he turned it, he changed his name to like Jimmy Swag to, Jimmy to appeal Swag. to millennials. J Swag. Oh, oh, here, <laughs> yo, Jimmy Swag Ministries. What up, dude? It is the, the our Lord and Savior is lit in the heavens. He's lit. Listen, so check it out. I wanted to, I wanted to make an official change that I'm no longer going to refer to myself as a millennial, but hence. Henceforth, I'm going to be a Willennial, and I'm going to adhere strictly to Will Smith's uh, lyrics in Willennium, the the quintessential album for all our time. Willennial. I ain't no millennial. I'm a Willennial, son. Willennial. What do you think about? Do you think that's got legs? I don't. I don't like being a millennial either, Jed. So I can relate to that. Yeah. I'm more like a Zennial. And so then, then to everything, I can be like, you trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. <laughs> don't be sick. I don't know enough of the it. album. I don't. I don't really need it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's a, that's like you know he really wanted that to take off, and it just didn't. 
Dude, honestly, getting jiggy with it. I mean, how long do you have for a phrase like that? You know, like that's true. Because I think years. Jimmy get jiggy with it really did kind of take over for, for a second. A, but but I never was it, like, hey guys, are we getting jiggy tonight? Everybody was getting jiggy with it, Jed. For I mean, we weren't old enough to get jiggy with it because I think that's jigs true. are like drugs, dude. Jigga City, that's Baton Rouge. Yeah, so I think maybe Will Smith was like kind of actually a little cutting edge there. But but Will Smith doesn't have to cuss to sell records. Right, one verse without a curse. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So <laughs> I took you down a, a fox trail there. So you're listening to BBN. Right, and so this is how neutral to slight chance of salty I am, dude. All right, because I... I just to set it up, I, I put on my shoes and my socks with boxers and a shirt. Mm-hmm. Then, I, then I get in the car and I hear they're doing prayer requests. All right. Is this like call in <laughs> prayer requests? They're just reading off a list and okay. it just seems to go on forever, you know? And I'm having some issues in my life, you know? And they're like, and it's, the funny thing is, it started with this one. It was like, so-and-so from so-and-so is having panic attacks. Lord, please help them. We know, and I'm thinking, panic attacks? Man, that's not a real problem. Come on, man. Just get over it. I had seven listening to this prayer request. Yeah, I don't know. It was just so retarded for me to be like, I'm angry at this person that I don't know because they had to send a prayer request about, I don't know. It just so I, it's like I wasn't taking their problems seriously. But then it got worse. Then it was like the guys like so and so just came home from Iraq with extreme back problems, and he's out of work, and he doesn't know how he's going to pay for his medical bills. And I'm like, back problems? Talk to me when you got front problems, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the thing, if you, the, the point is. I, I I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning and, it, yeah, and sounds, every, sounds everything like, everything think, was setting me off, dude. This guy's probably think, a hero, you know. Do you think it's possible that we could troll uh, BBN prayer requests? That my is uh, we had a my friend did it. I told it a long time ago, but uh, there's this preacher named Mark Driscoll, and um, he he found him on Facebook. This is just too good a story not to tell again. And he found him on Facebook. And uh, said, hey, I'm really having, like, he was asking the ministry for prayer. And he's like, I'm really having an issue. See, I I, I got in uh, one little fight after school and I got moved out yeah. to, and he just recounted yeah. the plot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he was like, right, and right, I'm, right. I'm living with my aunt and uncle and like, it's cool, yeah. but I got this, this brother, Carlton, and he's just really, you know, kind of <laughs> uppity. And uh, and they responded like seriously. They were like, "Wow, I'm so sorry to hear about your troubles. Like, we'll be sure to." Just totally didn't get it. That's funny, dude. That's so funny. Do you, I'm in a place, dude, where like I'm not. I'm I'm in a cold prayer place, man. I don't know, like because so much crap is going on. It's like I'm not. I guess I'm just in that uh, wait phase. I don't know. Wait, wait. Yeah, it's wait, like I'm I'm praying and like there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm not really seeing much happen. Maybe there's a lot of behind the scenes going on, and it's just really making me question. Like, 
is my job secure? Am I owed all these like securities or do I really need to be like worrying, not worrying, but do I need to be like, I don't know if I need to be having faith that everything's going to work out or like seriously thinking of a plan B. Oh yeah. That's funny, dude. You know, like it's when I'm at work, sometimes I just like really get caught up in like trying to make sure that I, I make enough money because it seems like logically that the faster I go, the, the more money I make because that's how I get paid, you know? But then like sometimes, actually most times that I'm using a limited pool of, of information here because I haven't been doing it that long, but most times when I try really hard and rush to, to make more money, I end up making less money. And when I'm just chilling, and I mean like chilling, dude, like stopping and looking at the sky and being like, wow, man, the sky's looking great today. And like, well, you've got I'm a customer's like, pizza yeah, chilling totally, in your car yeah. and you're like, oh man, do you ever just look at your hands, man? No, no, just... I, not, not like that. Like what I'll do is like I'll, after I drop it off, you know, logically you think, okay, the faster I get back to the store, the faster I can get the next order and the faster I can get out. But instead I'm like, man, I'm not going to just not enjoy this day. I mean, look yeah, at those clouds, you know, and I'll just sit there and look at them and people will just, I don't know, dude, something happens and I just make more money. It's weird. Like I'll take le- less runs and make more money. I get, maybe that's, yeah, maybe I'm trying so just to, I'm trying relax, to... yeah, there you go. Okay. That's what I'll take out of that. Um, well, let's, uh... cause you can move things uh, around. You know, I even think like, yeah, okay, right. he's he's giving me, and this is crazy because I don't, I don't know if this is scriptural, but I feel <laughs> this is bratteral. I don't, I feel that like, whenever I really stop and enjoy life, like I should, God like hands me the better runs. Is that crazy? I feel like I don't. There might if I'm I don't rushing, know. It's kinda, well, if I'm rushing and trying to like get it, get get well, yeah, the I, most and for me then like and like even my motivations and stuff it's like i know that's not preached that you're just going to be prosperous i'm not prosperous financially but i think i think the principle thousand dollar deals here (laughs) (laughs) the principle you're talking about is is you know it's in the program and it's biblical of just like relinquishing control so i mean i guess that is it's just like but that's a fine line between like laziness and or you know i mean everything's so freaking complicated tell you, bro. i wasn't being lazy i was just enjoying I was just enjoying the sky no, the, i just, I just moment, saw a butterfly and i was I'm like i'm not oh, saying that i would linger like i'm not saying do we're i need talking to drug test dip- you dude jet we're talking about the difference between how a, a 30 second walk to the car and a yes. 15 second walk to the car yes. you know what i'm saying it's not like i'm standing in one spot looking at the sky for like well, 13 my, minutes my pizza which delivery. i could do i had that pizza. After did I tell you did I tell you after so after I got robbed at gunpoint I started delivering pizza with a Glock forty five. I had my hand on the pistol on top of the pizza box in the bag facing forward. Like that's how I was delivering pizza, dude. Scared as shit. And the first time the first time the first time and and as a rule, I was like, I'm never going back to the place where I got robbed. I'm not delivering pizza there. And they're like, Okay, cool. And of course after three months they're like, Oh, and nobody can go there. You got to go take that delivery. And I was like, "Fuck!" 
So the first time I go there, I'm scared, dude. I was probably a little high, so the the, the fear was a real. High. A little hot, just a little. A little and, just a little. Not high so, enough, if you ask me. Wait, wait, wait. Listen to this, though. So I go to the door. The, the the deal goes good. I give the dude the pizza. He gives me the money. I'm walking back to my car. I got my pistol uh, pocketed up front uh, in mm-hmm. my pants. And I turn around, and I'm like, is, is, is that somebody running? And I see a dude, no shit, like, T-1000 Terminator running across the parking lot towards me. And I'm like, what the, what the hell, dude? It's going, this is it. It's going down. And so I back up. I keep, I back up. I back up with, I put my hand on my pistol and I hit, I hit the back of my car and I'm like shaking and I'm like, I'm about to have to, I'm about to have to blow this dude away, dude. I'm about to have to shoot this guy. And, and when he starts getting really close to me, I go, hey, dude. And he was like, dude, dude. And I was like, huh? He's like, you forgot your tip. I was, like, I was like you have i didn't say it but i was like you have no idea how close you came to getting blown away dude like i was, yes. I was shaking dude oh it was awful it was awful it's the time to stand your ground right. you know you know what though probably got away with it this guy was coming to rob me. You know? Yeah, exactly. No jury. Actually, every yeah. jury in the world would have convicted me. I don't, been, I don't know. It depends on the time period, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's. Uh, we got a stellar interview with Brent, somebody that me and Brad know very well. Uh, he's an old friend of ours who's fresh in sobriety, and so he finally got to tell his story. It's a good one. Alright, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. And I'm Brent. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, so, this will be... Uh, if you want to hear the, the failed version of this, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs and hear a hilarious attempt at doing this episode. Uh, all over the place. All over the place. Didn't work. Also, my ear was, was clogged and I was in a sort of hell. But I went to the doctor for that. Uh... Funny store to open that up. So the ear place is the funniest doctor's office I've ever been. It's full of like this this it's full of old people that can't hear. And like this dude's this dude's sitting there and they're like, Mr. Moran and, he, oh, and he's just sitting there and they're like, Is is a Mr. Moran here? And he's just he's just sitting there. They need and then, somebody that walks through the lobby. Yeah, and then literally he was like Well well of course I can't hear you. Why do you think I'm here? And then this other uh this other couple across from me, they're old, and this lady was, I just, I just hear, oh my god, it's like a disgusting volcano, and I look over, and she's just holding a tissue by her ear, and I guess stuff is just pouring out, she's like, look, honey, it just won't quit coming out, isn't oh, that god. disgusting? That's pretty gross. 
Yeah, it was really gross. But long story short, now my ear is fixed, and that's the important things. Yes, the most important thing. Um, so how are you doing? Pretty good. 18 days sober. I don't know why I said 20 last time. Well, nobody uh, nobody knew <laughs> except now. So now we know that, that you're not to be trusted on your sobriety <laughs> date. Yeah. I didn't um, lose any days. I just forgot some. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, well, yeah. yeah so doing good. I'm on step nine already. Made my first amends this morning. Did you really? Yeah. An actual amends, not just an apology, which is what I was doing last time around. I was just kind of like, oh, man, I'm sorry for fucking up. Yeah. Uh, you know. But drugs, <laughs> am I right? Yeah. yeah exactly. But I was just like, uh, you know, made some selfish decisions and uh, said some said some things that um, I want to make right and what can I do to, you know, solve that. So. Well, yeah, man, I've known you for... A good minute. Been wanting to get you on to tell your story, but I kind of had to wait till you were at least a little bit sober for you yeah, to tell it. Yeah, whenever I was coming back from Los Angeles, I was like, man, I really want to do a podcast with Jed, but probably going to have to drink a little before I do that. Right, right. Which I did, I thought that would have been interesting because there was a time you were like super desperate and detoxing. I yeah, was like, that probably would have been good inspiration. It would have been good and you could, and it would have been literal audio recording of yourself being like, I hate this. I think freshly sober probably would have been a, a good example for people not to even go the legal route when it comes to substance use. Yeah, that's typically a drug addict problem, but so let's, let's, let's get going. Okay. Let's get going start off with uh yeah where are you from yeah i was born in zachary louisiana about 40 miles north of baton rouge and uh in a trailer park with um my dad who worked all the time he was a pipe fitter since he was 18 and uh i guess he was the prime example of like i'm gonna do what my dad's dad did and the dad before him and you know what i mean a family of pipe fitters yeah exactly and uh I was kind of the one that just wanted to break that chain, mostly because I had resentments against my father and stuff, you know, nothing related to that actual occupation, but, um, yeah, I was born to him and my mom, who was kind of, you know, she had her problems, she was codependent, she drank heavily for a period of time, she was able to get through it with just God, you know, but, uh, yeah, man, she was, uh, she had her own problems early on, and, um, it was a dysfunctional home. I mean, the earliest memories I have are my my half brother. We have the same mom, not the same dads. So my dad was his stepdad, and they would argue all the time. But I have a fond memory of him pushing my brother down, and my brother actually hit his head on a uh, a stool. That's a fond memory. Yeah, and I was probably three because you were like, "Suck it, older brother." Well, I was like, I don't know. I mean, that was ingrained in my mind, and. My brother always kind of... I would bring things up like that to him just to make sure they were real because, like, you know, it's foggy. But he was like, yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. And I'm like... He's like, why do you always remember the the shitty things, you know? Which is true. I always kind of keep those ingrained more than good memories, you know? Yeah, those are kind of signs that you know that there is such a thing as, as alcoholism, like however you want to define it, but it's like we all share these common characteristics. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like the things I remember as a kid are like getting lost. Uh, all these like random, like I always remember super embarrassing things that happened to me and yeah. Definitely, definitely. 
uh, yeah, being outcasted at school, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, the those are the the biggest memories. But uh, yeah, my my parents they divorced at four. I also have a fond memory. This is probably my second memory. Is my dad? Uh, my dad came by because he didn't get his way. Because my mom my mom left him and moved into my godparents' barn. They had a barn that was converted to a home over the where they keep the tractors and stuff. Nice. Yeah. So they were church friends and stuff, and, you know, she they helped her out because she was going through a hard time. And he came by. I don't know if it was to get me or what. I mean, I think that he just wanted to, like, you know, flex and just, you know, show power, kind of. But they were screaming at each other, and they were telling each other to take me, I'm pretty sure, kind of pushing me from side to side of the car. Like, I can't I can't take care of him. You, you can blah 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 and then my mom ended up with me and my dad peeled out in the driveway you know and he went straight to Boston so so I think you're unsure of what fond memory means oh is that nice yeah that's a nice memory that's why I was like these are odd uh, things to look back and be like man the the time when my (laughs) parents uh, neither (laughs) wanted to take care of me that was like the greatest (laughs) memory I just it makes me warm and fuzzy well I I get what you're saying um I don't know, it's a prime example to not live like that in the future, so... I'm right. I'm more appreciative of it than I have been. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... They divorced at four, was living in a barn. My uh, my half-brother is ten years older than me, and he was all into punk rock. Uh, hanging out with ten or eleven friends. Uh, Bourgeois, uh, Kyle Cronbitch, um, all of them, Sean Creek, all of them. And they come over to the barn all the time. My mom would be working at Sammy's Grill, or she worked at Rite Aid and then Sammy's Grill, and um, yeah, working all the time, living off of tips, and uh, trying to support the family that we had. And uh, my brother was just like shooting off bottle rockets and into wasp nests and filming everything. They kind of had like a jackass thing going on. Yep. And I wanted to be like that, like. You know, I'm a fucking, I'm 10 years younger and I'm around a bunch of cool kids, you know? Yeah. And uh, I would run, I would get on my bicycle and run it into the side of the barn as fast as I could just for laughs. Try, just know? for laughs? You became like the... I thought it was funny. Oh, and, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was funny. <laughs> and I also was uh, very into art because my brother was and I got into some of his drawings and he had like demons and spawn characters and stuff and I would draw those in church to the point where one of the church members was like, uh, Renee, I don't know if, like, I don't even know if Brent should, like, be coming some Sundays. Really? Like, yeah, it was... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the wrong message And, like, to yeah, send. over time, this kind of stuff built resentments, you know, and I, I kind of, like they say, you, you, uh, when you get rid of a forest for a few bad trees kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started holding resentment over these individuals and uh, casting it as if it was the entirety of the ideology, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's super, that's also super common. Yeah, so there was a lot of that going on. My my brother started drinking and kind of, I think he was smoking and stuff. I didn't know what the concept of that even was at the time. I just thought they were really cool. My brother collected like lots of little action figures, tons of Star Wars action figures and stuff, kept them packaged cards i don't know how he expected me not to want to fuck with that shit but oh yeah it's oh, yeah, forbidden dude. fruit i ripped darth vader right off the wall and i unpacked it i was probably like does he still seven. hate you for that i might 
Uh, I, I know he has it on his mantle now, unpackaged, and uh, I see it every time <laughs> I go over there. That's why he does that. <laughs> yeah, it's just sitting on top of the TV, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one. And uh, I remember Twisty tying it back into his package and stapling it shut, putting some shit. <laughs> He'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> and like, hot, I don't even know how I got it back on the wall. That's, but man, he so. kicked my ass when he got home. That's fun. I didn't realize so far that's exactly like how, how I was with my older sister. She would always keep hers packaged and nice and. Yeah, always. Yeah, we really do follow our, our siblings' lead. She was into punk rock and stuff too, and yeah, that's funny. And I think that's kind of a foresight of like how I like that immediate gratification and stuff. I mean, that yeah. carried over. You know, like he was more about keeping things pristine, keeping keeping old things. You know, nostalgia and stuff like that. And I was always like, I would pack up, you know, a backpack full of shit, leave everything that probably is meaningful behind i mean i can't tell you how many possessions i don't have anymore that yeah means something to me you know yeah that's super they're true. out there somewhere but uh yeah i uh, heavily wanted to be like him uh towards my teens he my stepdad came into my life who was a cop and it's kind of funny because this was around the time that Derek todd lee the baton rouge serial killer was killing people and they were looking for a white dude in a white pickup truck with a mustache and my stepdad had a mustache and a white pickup truck. Did you secretly think your dad was Derek Todd Lee? Corey did, yeah. No way. Yeah. Is, and what's even crazier? Is, I mean, I mean, is he? <laughs> what's crazier is Derek Todd Lee lived like a half mile away from us, I think, on sixty one. Yeah. Uh, at the time, and my mom swears by this. Uh, she doesn't swear that it was him, but he actually. Uh, a, a, a black gentleman came to the door, knocked on the door, said his van broke down down the road, and he needed to use the phone to get somebody to come bring gas. And uh, she oh. wouldn't. She wouldn't. Uh, Holy shit! Yeah, she said she'd make the call for him. She went to go get the phone, came back, and he was gone. Whoa, dude! Yeah. Whoa. Ugh. Pretty crazy, huh? That is pretty crazy. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that aside. So my stepdad was a cop. Uh, turned out not to be a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, but I heavily resented that at the time. I mean, he came into my life when I was 10. I, I just kind of saw it as like, oh, this dude's coming in and taking over. Because my mom, you know, she was codependent. She was very caretaking. Uh, probably felt guilty for my dad leaving. And yeah, like so that. you had, you were she the felt, baby. You had the most attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, and I kind of saw Corey as a father figure in a way. In a, yeah, it's know, a solid I mean, he was 10 a year difference. Yeah. The house, so that's kind of what I looked up to. And then when he left and my stepdad came, I think my stepdad actually kicked him out, and I kind of was pissed about that. Was that when Corey was kind of going through his stuff? Yeah, his, he was his about re- 20. rebellious phase. Well, he was 19 when he came back, and he wanted to move his girlfriend in the trailer with him, and they stayed on the couch for a little while, but then my stepdad kind of put, put his foot down, you know? Yeah. And I just saw it as like, what, motherfucker? You've only been living, you've only been living here for a couple months. We've been here... Our whole lives, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But he actually ended up being one of the biggest inspirations of my life. So, And, you know, kind of made me into a man from that point on, anyway. Yeah, that's but, often uh, how that goes. I always visited my dad on summers. Uh, my, my dad made a lot of money at the time doing pipe fitting out of the state. And uh, he would always follow money. So he'd be in Chicago, he'd be in Boston, he'd be... 
And I mean, he'd take me everywhere. We'd go to Niagara Falls. We'd go to the Bahamas, um, Key West, you know, just all over the place, Illinois, Chicago. And that, that'd be for a summer at a time. Well, one summer I was 15 and he's, he took me to get my first job, which was McDonald's in, uh, Hastings, Minnesota. And, uh, I met like two guys, Austin and Ace. They were heavily into metal, and uh, I Austin was, and Ace. Of yeah. course, they're heavily into metal. <laughs> yeah, and I had an acid bath shirt at the time, and uh, I actually went in to do my application with the shirt on, and they were like, "Oh, hey, what's up, man?" And we ended up clicking really good, you know. And they handed you a guitar, and they're like, <laughs> "If you can shred this riff, you've got the job, bro." Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I was I was working over there, and, and that was just going to be for the summer, but we really got along, and I ended up getting Ace's number, and uh, I actually dropped out of high school to go start a band with him when I was 16, so that was like a year and a half later or so, and my parents were like, well, if you leave, don't don't come back. That really worked out for you, because you're in uh, Imagine Dragons, isn't that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the stand-in. Yeah, the end. Good story. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, so I moved over there. I just put all my stuff in the car, and I drove straight to Minnesota. And um, I moved in with Ace into his basement, and his parents were, like, pretty, like, upper class, and they were very proper and stuff. And uh, we were smoking pot and stuff, and I actually set off the fire alarm at, like, it was, like, 2.30 in the morning or something. Fire alarm went off, and uh, I was like, holy shit, so... I tried to go into the room that intersected, like, you know, it was at the very bottom of the stairs. You had to go down the hallway to get to his room where the pot was being smoked, but that smell came all the way over, so they were like, who's smoking dope down here? And uh, they figured it was me. They said I was a bad influence. They didn't want their kids getting into it, and they actually kicked me out that next morning and changed the locks. <laughs> Dang, so you've been getting, that's so funny, so you've been getting consequences, like, since day one. Yeah. Yeah. And making bad decisions since day one. Feeling like I shouldn't have the repercussions I did, but... Yeah. I felt like I, they were doing me wrong, you know? The whole yeah. Time. That probably... I wonder if that... I mean, we could psychoanalyze that all day, but I wonder if that started from just feeling like the world owed you something with, with oh, yeah. like how you grew up and... That branch, yeah, it definitely came from that. And um, I guess going back from that is... Uh, when when I was make, doing a lot, I was being in a lot of trouble during school and stuff. My mom, when she was single, was she actually went to go reconnect things with my brother's father, who was in and out of prison and like all kinds of crazy stuff. He's actually a drug addict and um, he's never gotten better. I think he's like fifty five, still breaking into places and you know stuff like that. But uh, that was a very weird experience for me, and I felt very confused. You know what I mean? And he got me like a christmas present and like hey what's up bud you know and stuff like that and i was just like where the fuck am i yeah i was getting in detention all the time yeah that was in texas but i've been kind of you know moving all over the place even early on in life and never really settled down but yeah so uh after the being kicked out i moved back to louisiana i started at la madeline and uh 2009 maybe even 08 but that's when i met you at the star wars symphony yeah uh, orchestra <laughs> yeah 
Very cool. Didn't I, did you ask for one of my shirts, or did I just give you one of my shirts? That's what I remember. I don't even remember, man. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh, who's this cool dude with the fedora? Yeah, I wore. Yeah, him. thanks. I wore fedoras <laughs> back then. They were cool for a second before uh, they got. They were co opted by neckbeards. And, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the neckbeards have taken them over. But uh, yeah, around that time, I was. I moved in with my brother, and um, I don't know. Actually, I moved in with Dave Matthews before that, and um, not the Dave Matthews, but <laughs> a skinny black gentleman, uh, pretty much the farthest from Dave Matthews that you yeah. can get. But yeah, yeah, you were a lot more in. I was. What was I doing at that time? I was like, kind of. Oh yeah, that was during my time when I was determined to convince myself that I wasn't an alcoholic and that all that was bullshit and I was just trying to party and be a quote normal kid and you seem relatively in like you had your uh you had your shit together. Yeah, I was time. coming back with kind of a firm resolution and that's always what's happened when I've geographically changed. I've been like this is going to change everything and I actually put in a good effort and I'm like I get a job ASAP, I get a good job ASAP, you know, and I go every day, I make money and stuff, and slowly that just isn't enough, you know? Yeah. And uh, things chip away, so um, that's kind of been my experience, like, time and time again was, you know, starting a new life in this area, and then this area, and then this area, always with the same result, Yeah. if I'm not willing to do the actual work yeah except except with just worse and worse consequences oh yeah yeah they started to really stack up but um yeah and that's about the time where i actually started to get drugs from aj who is my roommate living well yeah around that time i met erica who um worked at la madeline with me and uh We started to kind of hang out and stuff. We really got along. And then before you knew it, I was moving in with her into uh, her twin sister's house. And uh, that, yeah, that's like six of us working together and living together in, uh, at La Madeline. Well, we had Dave and Elise stay downstairs. And me and her were together. And AJ and Meredith were together. And we all worked together. And we all lived together. And it was insane. Oh, uh, yeah. There was a lot of drugs. Yeah, it seems it seems like such a great idea at the time, and then like, oh yeah, well it started to even be cool. Like week one, week two, it was like, hey, can you take my shift? Yeah, yeah, shift. and then it's like, <laughs> I'm not coming in today. Don't yeah. you dare tell the boss that I was high. Right. It's like, well, fuck you, man. Like, I don't want to go in. Well, somebody's got to work. Exactly. And then you go work. Yeah. Or like they bring in the like. Did you steal my pill- pills this morning? Right. AJ didn't want to tell her, and she thinks I might have snuck in her. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh man, conflicts of interest all over the place. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I actually like, I, I just felt like I was all grown up now. Now that I'm living with this girl, and uh, you know, it was the first real like serious relationship I had, and. Um, Although we argued sometimes, it actually wasn't all that bad. Uh, we were kind of no. You were you were pretty attached. Yeah, oh, I would definitely say the her be- too. The beginnings. Oh yeah, both of y'all. She it was, was kind of rocking the cradle. I mean, I was seventeen. She was twenty one at the time. That's true. But uh, I so I thought I gotta eat. Yeah, you look sweet, bro. Older yeah. lady. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, kind of thought I was the shit at the time, but uh, 
we we were in and out of a relationship. I mean, shit, probably five or six times we broke up with each other. She would find out something fucked up that I did, but I would break up with her after she was after like, she would confront you. Yeah, and then she'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Classic, you know? cla- like, classic hostage taking maneuvers. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. A lot of grooming. A lot of like, don't. Uh, if you leave me, it's it's gonna be bad for both of us and all yeah. that kind of shit, man. But uh, yeah, so that's when things started to really get rocky. I was like drinking all the time. I found painkillers, uh, anything I could get my hands on. Eventually, I mean oxycodone, and then when that went away, it was Opana, and then um, yeah, Dilaudid, all that kind of shit. Uh, a lot of benzos, and um. I ended up, like, walking out on my job several times. Um, They eventually had enough, said I couldn't come back. And um, I just kind of, like, stayed with Erica wherever she was and used her financially, you know. And um, uh, she was very codependent, so it worked out in my favor financially. But um, I ended up actually, after a few breakups, she was going to Southeastern in Hammond, And I thought it'd be a good idea. I had two buddies staying in a dorm together. One of them got kicked out for marijuana use. And uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to move into the dorm, not being a student there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'd get to see my girlfriend. I was like, you know, had some place to stay for free. Maybe go check out a few classes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to a seminar or two. No, but I had like, I would bring drugs there and I would. You know, I met I met the guys that you know like to do drugs, and I would sell them, and we'd do them all day and stuff. I mean, I'd even drop acid on campus and just run around and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was pretty hectic. But anyways, long story short, I guess they ended up smelling marijuana coming from the dorm room that someone was already kicked out for marijuana for. So I'm wondering how they picked that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out too, congregation marijuana when burned has a very distinct. <laughs> Uh, pungent odor. <laughs> Even the, if the, you can't smell it. The, the kids today call it that gas <laughs> or uh, that loud, yeah. which which means the smell is so intense, it's it's almost auditory. All right? <laughs> it's that loud. Yes. Yeah, th- I guess this was pretty loud because... Uh, you know what's funny? Yeah, ter- come to think of it, weed is responsible for... A large percentage of our bustings, as far as like getting the apartment raided, was because they were smoking weed and the janitor smelled it. Yeah, you getting kicked out because they were, you know. Oh yeah, damn it! Now that I look back on it, and I was always like, "We're gonna have a foot in the door. This stuff's gonna be legal. It's great." And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just that worked like, out. Ah, I don't really want it anymore. The, the DEA did not come over because somebody smelled weed coming out of the fucking apartment. Um, that's so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dirty's in the background drinking tea and uh, listening. <laughs> Uh, uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they did. I I don't want to hear. Yes, that, uh, that's my story. I think it had to, to do it. with it in some it aspect. It. No, it had nothing to do with it. I was I was being watched. But anyway, okay. So yeah, two bicycle police officers come up and uh, knock on the door. I'm actually I don't even think they knocked because I was leaving to go play music in the music hall or whatever. And I open the door, and there they are, and they're like... Were they oh, we wearing tiny shorts? Room. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. The whole deal. And uh, they're like, we need to search the room. They, I mean, my friend had like a volcano behind his bed and all kinds of stuff, but 
they ended up letting them go. And uh, a volcano is a marijuana smoking device, not a people. literal uh, <laughs> Mount St. Helens. Yeah. So I ended up having some paraphernalia on me, as well as one half clonopin that I bought from you. Yep. And uh, you comes... told me not to drive around with it. I, I did, dude. And uh, that's yeah, that's so funny. How I mean, it's in retrospect, you can totally. I, I mean, I you can just see how God will just use any situation but that is funny so yeah i remember you saying like yeah that's why you got kicked out because and you were just like it was just a half a clonopin like <laughs> omitting the smoking weed and like dealing drugs your whole thing oh yeah like, how dare they arrest me <laughs> yeah. for half a clonopin and that let was... my friends go for fuck's sake yeah and that I was, was like, yeah i was really resenting them a lot because you were you uh, were big on if other people get away with stuff then why can't i and this is how you you fucked up my using life because like there's only r- room for so many uh con artists in a group of friends right yeah. and then you get someone else trying to come in and work <laughs> on the cons you just blow the whole system apart dude sure. it's, it's why me and brad could only be together for so long it's why yeah, and then would, when all three of us were together, it, it was, was a nightmare. It was awful. Yeah, it was just awful. It's, it's, it's why yeah. we ended up in fistfights. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, well, so you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, so, anyways, they take me to A-Meat Parish Jail, and uh, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I thought they were going to let me go the whole time. And uh, I get in there, and nobody wants me in their cells. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning, and everybody's asleep. And this cop's just dragging me around. And he's going from cell to cell. And he's like, hey, we got you a cellmate. And they're like, get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to the next one. And I'm just same thing, dude. And then we finally get to this last one. And it's pretty quiet. And then he's just like, well, both beds are taken. So just sleep on the floor for tonight. And I'm like, oh, man, really? Anyways, I slept on the floor next to the fucking toilet. I wake up. Everybody's like going to chow hall or whatever. And I'm just like, God damn it. And I'm wearing like this, you know, orange jumper and it's too big for me. And I didn't bring any boxers to jail with me. Oh, yeah. No, me neither. Dude. Oh, it was bad. But, um, yeah, long story short, I ended up having this cellmate that was in there for attempted second degree murder or something with a machete. And he made garbage bag jewelry. And, um, there was a neo Nazi in there that, you know, wanted me to do him favors, and uh, oh god, yeah. Luckily, he was cool about me saying no, but uh, yeah, yeah, I th- that could have gone a whole lot different, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was an interesting experience. I actually got released on my own recognizance after like a week and a half or two weeks, and then I went to my first treatment center, which I stayed in for two days. It was was that when you called- it was a stipulation of my uh, appeal, like to. Was that the one you called me to come get you? Yeah, I called you and then I called yeah, Mike. He, so Dirty is also the classic enabler of the group, which I love him. I, I wouldn't be here without it, but he will admit he's the classic enabler. So Brent called yeah, me. I was at work and he was like, I left rehab. Can you come get me? And I was like, absolutely not. And then I hung up and then Dirty calls me. And he's like, hey, did Brent call you? And I was like, yeah. I was like, you wanted me to come get him. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm on the way. And I was like, damn it, Dirty. Like, fuck. So, yeah. I just remember sitting in that hot parking lot at Walgreens, and I had sat down with the director, and they were he was like, you know you're here for like a court stipulation. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know your parents like spent two grand to get you a private bed? And I was like, yeah. 
And he was like, so you, re- you still want to go? And I was like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> this place is terrible. Now, even more so. Yeah, so I left. Uh, didn't work out in my favor. I think I went straight to your house and asked if I could live there or whatever. But um, after that, um, yeah, several treatments after that. I mean, I was still using, using heavily. Ended up uh, in and out relationships with Erica. Ended up actually flying out to Florida after a psych ward visit because I had to commit myself several times just to get a bed and detox. And um, they were like, how do you feel about Florida? Sunny West Palm Beach, Florida. And I was like, that sounds really cool. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, a little aside about the state of the treatment industry. Like, It's usually so... like, So say you want to go to treatment... Then you start the cat or the uh, home base. Yeah, the uh, ball and pony. What's that phrase? Whatever the uh, the you have to jump through hoops to get in treatment. So the the fail safe is you just go to um, an ER and tell them you want to kill yourself, and then they have to let you immediately in. And then you, it's like pretty sad that that's what you have to do. But mm. uh, yeah, I've had to do that uh, quite a few times. They're like, yeah. well, we can't. We we can we, take you in a week. Yeah. Or we can take it right now if you want to die. Yeah, it's like, well, then, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm, I'm you know. <laughs> well, I'm going to murder somebody. Yeah, again. I'm going to kill myself or you. <laughs> can I go now? <laughs> yeah, so they admitted me in there, and they told me I could fly out to West Palm Beach. It sounded really cool. It was called, like, American Addiction Centers or something. And um, <clears throat> I was to fly out that next morning, and uh, you took me to the airport? Yeah. yeah. Oh, was that the... That was the whole cop yeah, shenanigan. I came pick you up in like Covington from Greenbrier. Oh yeah, here we go. So I drove you to New Orleans. So I don't know if you've heard from Mike's previous podcast, but he has some experience burgling burgling places. You said burgling? Burgling, yeah, sure. Uh yeah, so he ends up coming to pick me up and uh at Greenbrier, which is a psych ward. And uh Erica is done with me at this time. And she's like, I, I still have all your shit in my house. Just, I went to work, but I left the back door unlocked so y'all can go by there, pick it up before you go over the causeway and go to New Orleans Airport. And I was like, cool, I got like three hours, we can do this. So Mike pulls into her driveway with his white pickup truck. And uh, I totally forgot her neighbor was a cop, but uh, so we go inside to pick up my bags and everything. I get all my bags sorted, and then we're going out of the back door, and there's, like, two cops with guns on, drawn on us. And uh, they're just like, what's your names? Blah, blah, blah. Can't get a hold of Erica on the phone. I'm trying to tell them that my girlfriend lives here. She broke up with me, and I'm going to rehab. I have my itinerary. <laughs> and they're asking Mike, like, have you ever been arrested? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, and like for what? And he was like burglary, and- <laughs> <laughs> unrelated officer, unrelated. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm sticking to my story. And anyways, long story short, they ended up letting us go. But uh, I thought they searched thoroughly through my bags, so I think I'm all clear to walk through the security when we get to the airport. And um, so it's pouring ass rain. Mike gets me there. Mike gets me there just in time. And I go through the security checkpoint, and I put my bags through the x-ray, and I'm waiting on them to come through the belt, and, like, I'm noticing the people behind me are, like, going right through and stuff, and I'm just, like, waiting, and uh, I don't see my bag after, like, five minutes. And so I, like, look at the screen, and there's just, like, five throwing daggers glowing in the screen. Oh, solid. Yeah, they were in a hidden compartment in my backpack, 
And uh, I was like, hey, uh, those are mine. And they're like, you're not supposed to have knives on the plane. And I was like, yeah, no way, huh? And yeah. <laughs> like, oh, for real? I remember September 11th. But, yeah. Uh, Never forget. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, you don't really look like that big of a threat. So I'm going to throw these in the trash and let you go. And uh, I run to the gate and my plane is taken off. So there's not another flight for 24 hours or some. Sh- no, it was like 13 hours. I had to spend the night in the airport. And, um, yeah, finally get there, and Hurricane, was it Sandy? Isaac. I think it was Isaac. Hurricane Isaac is coming through, and the whole place is getting shut down on the second day. So, uh, they move us into a Hyatt, like Wyndham Suites, (laughs) and it's like 60 stories, and like the, you know, I'm sure the hotel people are like, sweet, dude, we're getting like a ton of money, and they're going to stay here for like two months, and it's going to be great. Dude, we fucked that place up. Oh, I'm sure. It was a co-ed treatment center, and they just threw us in there on, like, the fourth floor. Both guys and girls. I mean, we stayed on separate ends of the hall. Oh, yeah. But I could, you know, call room numbers or anything. And uh, they gave us $60 a week for groceries and took us to Publix. And uh, it was just really, like, over the top. And I just wasn't ready to do the steps, you know. They were introduced to me, but I was more, like... Hell yeah, I'm in Florida, like, going to the beach every weekend, and, like, I get free food, and they had acupuncture and massages and shit, and I'm like, God, dude. So, anyways, long story short, I ended up leaving there, going to Port St. Lucie to stay in the sober living, and about after a week of that, I I wanted to go win Erica back again, so I got a $150 Greyhound bus ticket all the way back to Louisiana and I went straight to her house and you know uh won her back with my my sweet charm yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah and then I found out she was pregnant and um yeah I so remember that, that too I remember the the panicked call yeah yeah cuz I remember her coming over and she was like something i gotta tell you and i was just coming off of like some 2ci or something i was living with dave at the time and uh we went to the golf course or something she was like i'm pregnant and i was like oh wow and i was like well whatever your decision is you know i'll support you support you in it and i really meant that you know as out of control as things were uh she luckily like got with her parents and they set up an adoption agency through uh the saint elizabeth's foundation in baton rouge and uh, so we got, like, several scrapbooks of families. I didn't have any control over this as far as, like, I didn't... Did you want to keep them a good at the thing. time? Yeah, well, you know, those thoughts, of course, came, especially as the selfish thought of, like, this kid will keep me sober, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. You know, I was like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity. This will make me and Erica, like, uh, better, you know, we'll be forced to be together. <laughs> yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Gotcha, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So those thoughts came, but I'm glad it went the way it did. Uh, they're both doctors. One's an internal medicine, and one's a radiologist. A turtle medicine? <laughs> uh, internal. Oh, okay. Internal well, I was about to say, I'm a, yeah. uh, Adam's got some turtles. They might need the some high looking paying, after. High-paying yeah. turtle I'm medicine I'm a field. turtle specialist. Uh, <laughs> I work on shells and uh, you know sea turtles especially. Porpoises on the side. Porpoises on the side only. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, we got to pick the family, got to eat with them, and like really get to know them. 
And then I signed off on the papers, and then Erica would have the kid and then decide if she wanted to sign off as well. So we spent the night with him in the hospital, and uh, they didn't have enough room for the parents, so they were going to come the next morning to pick him up. And long story short, I ended up meeting Erica's dad in the waiting room, and it was the most awkward experience of my life. I had stayed up all night on Adderall, Ugh. and I, I, drank, I drank some coffee that morning, and yeah, dude, I was pretty uh, anxiety-driven. Yeah. And um, luckily it wasn't like she didn't go into labor before we got to the hospital or anything, because that would have freaked me out. But uh, yeah, it was an awkward introduction to his dad, her dad, and... Um, he was very like me and my parents were eating at the table and he was at the other one and we were like hey you can come over here if you want and he was like no i'm all right oh jeez <laughs> yeah dude but her mom was a sweetheart always was and it was you know it wasn't the weirdest it could have been but uh we spend the night with him in the hospital and i'm so selfish as to i'm like cuz she was really good about not doing any drugs yeah, and even smoking weed. She took her prenatal vitamins every day. She took total care of him, you know. No cigarettes, no alcohol. And um, I was using the whole time. You know? Oh, yeah. But now was her chance to, like, she was like, oh, yeah, I want to, I mean, I just had this baby. I hadn't done anything in nine months. Go get us some Xanax. And uh, so I make a trip to go get Xanax with my buddy Neil. And uh, Neil drops me off at the McDonald's because uh, the drug dealer isn't cool with new people. And uh, I end up waiting at this McDonald's parking lot for like 40 minutes. My son's in the fucking hospital, oh, you know? Oh, like, Yeah, dude. For like two Xanax bars, you know? I'm like, what am I doing, you know? But my eyes were set on one thing, you know, and that was using. And uh, they finally came, and I ended up doing both of them in the bathroom. And I. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's, yeah, that's, that's... You know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. That's just, those are those times you look back and you're just like, if you can look up selfishness in the the dictionary and there's just a video file of you, yeah. (laughs) With everything, man, now that I really am taking a look at the steps, I'm on the ninth step looking at, you know, and even, oh, well, step four, I really got to see how, uh... How selfish I was even when I thought I was in the right, you know. And I thought I was a pretty, like, you know, I thought I observed myself pretty well as as it was. But No, that's why it's so hard to get sober, man, because we have done some really horrible things in our addiction. And it's just so much, well, I mean, eventually it, there's, I mean, it's like a porta potty. I mean, eventually that thing is just full and, like, you, mm. you, there's nothing else that's covering it up. You're just leaking all over, <laughs> all over your shoes, and then it gets on your pants, and then it's just you're just it's just all. Then you're a piece of shit. Then you, yeah, that's a good analogy. Then you, <laughs> then you yourself become a poo. <laughs> yeah. So, but in the meantime, uh, being there for the birth and everything, her his his adoptive family is heavily Christian, you know, which I resented God at the time very heavily. In fact, they asked us if they wanted. They were going to name him Matthew, which is a gift from God. And uh, they were like, or we can, you know, have him go by his middle name, Reed. And I was like, yeah, let's go with Reed. She's like, nah, name him Damien. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I probably would have if the option was open. But they ended up calling him Reed. And I, I don't know. I like I like Matthew now. I like Reed. <laughs> you know, uh, it was kind of my God moment. I still resisted uh, 
resisted God, you know. Which afterwards. which is still a biblical name. What? Reed, if you go. Uh, oh, is it? He will not. Uh, one thing God says is he won't uh, break a bruised reed. Oh, okay. Which is like. R-E-I-D? You're talking about no, R-E-E-D. R-E-E-D. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Uh, I mean, I felt very weird about the situation afterward, especially after Erica was totally done with me. And I had moved to Los Angeles and, you know, for another treatment and stuff. And I just kind of started it as a new again. And uh, I put off talking to the family and it just got very, like, separated. But I ended up actually giving the steps a real thorough try in 2014. And I flew out here for your wedding and then to meet. Yeah, uh, that was, I knew. Well, yeah, so I'd been talking to you and I thought you would finally, like, got it. You would talk about having. Oh, yeah, I was very into it. Yeah, I mean, you were in treatment for a solid, what, like six, nine months? Um, You talked about having a spiritual awakening, and I was like, yeah, dude, come to my wedding. And then I remember seeing you, and like, so sober Brent is like confident, uh, slowed down, more calculated and measured, and like, you, you do this thing when you get high where you become super unsure of yourself and like approval seeking. And that's how I always fucking know. And when I saw you, and like, in, it was just, I was just like, damn it. Like, he's yeah. not sober. Yeah. I didn't say anything. No, but. I was very uh, trashed. And you know what's even fuck, more fucked up is I got so wasted. Well, yeah, I got wasted on Xanax. I was on Xanax at your wedding. And then, uh, not enough to not remember it, but I ended up drinking with my brother that night. You don't remember the speech you made? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember the Star Wars theme song, but, uh, so I ended up drinking with my brother that night, man, and I, my phone died, dude, and Erica was gonna come by at, like, 7 or 8 a.m. sharp. That's right, y'all were gonna go see your son. Yeah, at the park down the street. It was, like, you know, two miles away, and I hadn't seen Erica in four years either, so... It's nerve-wracking, and I'm like, you know, what's better for anxiety than Xanax, you know, at the time? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I gobble a bunch of those, and I wake up, and, like, the phone's ringing, and, like, there's missed calls, and uh, I answer, and I'm like, hey, I'm just, uh, I got some stuff in the dryer. It's almost done, you know, and I'm, yeah. I almost slept through going to see my son for the first time after four years, you know? that That's kind of how it seems to go, like, when you after you've been trying to get clean and then you relapse it's like the the severity of consequence and like how quickly they happen it seems like it's just like the first it's like so i'm I'm yeah your control drops through the floor kind of thing yeah it's like it's it's like i'm sure that like if i ever go to relapse like i'm gonna buy from an undercover like the first time or something or like you know yeah that's just how it seems to go yeah and always relied on my strain of luck I guess now's a good time to bring up how much my stepfather helped me out being a police officer. And, um, I mean, he got me out of multiple arrests uh, from age 16 to yeah, 22, 23. But uh, <clears throat> I'm surprised he never, like, really broke, broke down from doing that because he's a very, like, stern individual but when it comes to the law i think he's very uh we got to get you out of this kind of thing yeah but, uh, well it's like i mean i mean he probably he's still s- like he can see how he uh, set his foot down in his own way but he 
he got me from under the arm, thumb of the law. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, it's tricky because a lot of you can. Yeah, I'm sure he can see too. I mean, a lot of like petty drug crimes that you could tell a person will probably learn their lesson from. Could if you know with mm-hmm. conviction, convictions will like literally ruin your life. Oh yeah. So it's and they like, would have you know and I mean I, I was looking at you know nothing crazy but you know a felony, a few misdemeanors, misdemeanor theft. You know, speeding over thirty, underage drinking, all kinds of shit. But um, he he helped me out with a lawyer when he needed to, and I'm look. I, as far as I know, I have a clean record. So yeah, but you know, thanks be to God on that one too. Yeah, you know? for sure. But uh, yeah, and then uh, let's see. Yeah, so. Uh, my second trip to Los Angeles after a long, like nine month relationship with this insane girl that we were, we were pretty violent to each other and stuff. Um, I ended up really having like what I thought was a breaking down moment. And man, there are a lot of times where I've just like firmly resoluted, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it this time. And then, you know, I give it like a firm shot and, um, I'm just not willing to put in the work when I start feeling better. Right. Physically. Right. Even a little spiritually. Like, it's so much harder for me to stay on my game when I'm not circling the drain, you know? Yeah. Because we're used to operating in crisis mode and, like, we don't know how to live a normal, quote, whatever, normal life. Yeah. So I'm used to, like, crying in the psych ward and, like, feeling better after that and being like wow god is great you know and then um i start relying on people people places and things and putting high expectations on them and obviously being let down but uh so i moved to los angeles and i thought that was going to change everything i I ended up working at a neiman marcus which is like a high-end nordstrom rack for celebrities and stuff and um I mean, it was way more of a job than I asked for, you know. I didn't even know what the place was. I just Google mapped some restaurants and signed up for them. But, uh, you know, I, I, that that went to my head ego-wise. I, I was, throughout the treatment center, my grand sponsor was the program director of the place. So he paid for everything of mine. He was rich as hell. He uh, scholarshiped me for six months without insurance into the place and i mean it had like a infinity pool and like you know all kinds of yeah 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 and i I just you know i let it go to my head especially with that job and everything and uh so i left treatment early i got my own place because i I wanted a girlfriend yeah the the amount of selfies you were posting at that time uh, (laughs) exponentially yeah yep yeah definitely and uh so I got my own place, and I was still holding that job, but I slowly like started to drink. I, I remember going up to the gas station. The first gas station I went to didn't have any alcohol, and I was like, oh, man, this is like definitely somebody letting me know like not to try it, you know? So I went to the next gas station <laughs> and used my own will. And like, Yeah, it's like, God, it's like God will give us those times. Like, yeah, the first time. And I knew it, and I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, watch, I'm going to show up to this place and they're not going to have a lick of any mind-altering substance in here. And that's what happened. But yeah. I went to the next one. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> the, the, the first, my first, re- my last relapse, the first time, 
I bought a Roxy from a dude at a gas station and it ripped me off and it was an ibuprofen and I was like that should have been a, yeah I was like it's, I was like well fuck that yeah I mean I, I'm in my mind like I, oh in your mind you're telling yourself well it's already over with now exactly it's- <laughs> when it's like no it's not yeah no. so um, I definitely try and look for those kinds of warning signs this time yeah you know what I mean yeah but uh. I remember I was I was starting to drink, and I have a very like slow progression into uh, my full blown addiction. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I feel like I go from like it's gotten faster, but yeah, yeah. usually you, yeah, it it's is. like even my brother's like, okay, so you're just drinking now? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and four months later, drinking and smoking, okay, and then you know I'm doing pills on the down low for a little bit, and right? I'm doing more of those, and then mixing them, and then. Yeah. Yep. Go to the hard stuff. But so after that treatment, uh, yeah, and and that run, I I ended up getting on Tinder to meet the meet the uh, wife to be. Yeah. <laughs> she was out of a like a two week marriage, and she had just gotten divorced, and like flew out there, and I think like we. We pretty much said we were going to hang out before she landed on the plane. And, you know, we were saying I love you by week one and a half. And uh, she was, like, making me a birthday cake on my birthday. And, you know, I met the family. Yeah, I, I think like, that's been, I mean, like me, I think you're the, the biggest parallel addiction for you has been this, like, desire for companionship, companionship um, mm-hmm. toxic love, toxic relationships, um, you know, I can't count the number of times that you've left a good situation for a girl, like in a different state that you don't know, and then like we all know it's a bad idea, and I know you know it's a bad yeah. idea, but it's still like I'm so uncomfortable in my skin. Here. Well, there's something invigorating about just throwing all of my shit into my car and yeah. heading out in the sunset, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever it comes with. Not so much anymore. I look yeah. at it as, you know, through a realistic lens, I guess. But, but yeah, so long story short, that didn't work out. And um, I came back here for about a week. And like you said, uh, no, it was, wait, what, a no, month? No, it was a little longer. Yeah, I got you to move, you know, I was going to, you know, I was going to move you down here. And part, you know, like Dirty, I, I you know. I wanted you in our life um, again, and I thought, you know, you had a good chance to be sober down here, so we got you to move down, and, um... Well, I think a big thing of it was that I, like, like I said earlier, I was putting expectations on people, and, like, I had Regina, who was the tender girl, and, uh, you know, I left her, and I was like, uh, she wanted a long-term, a long-distance relationship and all this stuff, and I'm like, hell no, like... And then I tried I tried sobriety out when I got here, but that kid Chase, he was like, yeah, uh, trying to hit my girlfriend up back home. Which, hey man, I don't have control over with. You know what I mean? Right. I don't have control over it. I don't have control over her either. But she used that as leverage, and you know, she won. I I took the bait and I drove back yeah and I, I went I straight up, to her house woke up one thousand five hundred like, miles oh where's brent and they're like oh he just packed up and left in the middle of the night yeah and i was like oh okay <laughs> well see you in a couple of years i'll leave the yeah door later on. yeah that was when i kind of uh gave up so sort of so, so to speak or like well he's just got to figure it out yeah like, what um, will be will be what will be will step. be 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, I went back there, and I tried to give sobriety out uh, a shot there. And uh, I'm not the same person sober. So, like, me with a, in a relationship with a girl that likes to go out to the bar and drink and, you know, do Molly all the time and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I introduced her to the world of drugs. I left, and then I came back expecting her to be, like, yeah. totally straight. Total addict move. Yeah, man. It's fucked. But, uh... I broke up with her, and uh, I went to a treatment in Pasadena after some drug use, and um, I graduated there, started drinking in the sober living. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I was getting some, some shitty jobs, and I was just very... I was beating down myself over, like, expectations on yeah, places, it, you know? It, I was like, I was like, I just got out of, like, treatment, and I'm working at Party City, yeah, like, like <laughs> where's my riches and, yeah. and millions of dollars, and like I, yeah, I earned this. You know, I was like, man, I had a tender girlfriend in a, uh, my own place, and I was working at Neiman Marcus, and yeah. I was like, well, you Quickly. threw all that away. Yeah, like an asshole. Yep. So that's what happens. But uh, yeah, so I came back here after running out of money, and I sold my car for like 150 bucks and a Walmart gift card for like 15 dollars, <laughs> and. Uh, I flew back here with just a backpack full of stuff, and I moved in to Lafayette, and I was, I couldn't really get a hold of drugs out here, probably, I probably could if I tried, but I was very, like, I'm still very weird about, like, hitting up people from the the, circle. Yeah, the older, yeah, that is one thing, is, like, once you've started to get busted, the older you get, and you realize that, like... Regardless, I'm like... I'm not going to Baton Rouge to yeah, ask no. anybody about anything. No. Because I will get sick. Baton Rouge. Yeah. yeah, dude. It will happen. So I just ended up using going the legal route, and I drank for a long while, and then I ended up buying some weed. And uh, nothing nothing major, and I ended up doing some Kratom and Finibit, which is like the gas station equivalent of Xanax, I guess you could say. Yeah. Right? You have some experience with that too. Oh yeah, dude. It, it, that that drug more than anything almost like took me out of the world, and like it's just so. Tempting. And it's hard to ask AA people for help with it because yeah, half of them don't know what it is, and the other half are like, "Ooh, that sounds exact." That's like how that's how I got on it, dude. And so I felt very bad about asking anybody. Yeah, I got you on it. I got it on the forums, and I was like, "I'm about to set all these people up on this shit, just trying to get some help on it," you know. Because I remember I posted online, I was like, does anybody have an experience with Finibit withdrawal and how to stop? And they're like, I just Googled that, and fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try it. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. that's why it's so funny. People are always like, like whenever uh, overdose deaths are reported, usually there will be like an increase, like people will flock there to yeah. go buy it. And I was like, well, in that, that area, that yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like, well, hell yeah, that's some good shit. Right. Yeah. So we'll that's, just use a quarter of the amount. Yeah, exactly. Well, that dude was just a pussy. Like, he yeah. just can't ha- handle <laughs> his stuff. Yeah, so um, even though I wasn't using as much, sub- I mean, things things got out of hand, like, consequentially, but I was still holding a, some type of job, you know what I mean? But emotionally and spiritually, I was just wrecked. And I mean... I was just passing everybody up on the street thinking they were a piece of shit and that I was too. And just that like super like emotional bankruptcy. Yeah. A spot that I never thought I could be in life as far as like the outlook of things go. 
And, um, you know, all of that guilt was just weighing on me, especially like not having a substance that could totally block it out because your tolerance builds within days on that stuff. And yeah. you're just trying to catch up with yourself, but you're still feeling the pain and you can't, you know, there wasn't enough substance to use to get rid of it. So, yep. uh, thank God I just like, I don't know, I called some people and I ended up with a sponsor. I switched, switched sponsor already, but I, I, I want it. I was just like, all right, I'm going to rip it off like a Band-Aid. I'm just going to get somebody that's super fucking into AA and hardcore and, like, buy the book. And I'm just going to listen to what they say for, like, f- till till I withdraw off the shit. And then I'm going to go from there. You know what I'm saying? That's where I started. And uh, it's it's worked out so far. I mean, it's been – it's only been three weeks, but – No, uh, but – and yeah, I, I mean, I think a, a big thing for you, too, has always been struggling with God and – Definitely not saying you have it on lock, but it sounds right. like you're definitely making. I'm willing to put way. more footwork in to get to uh, a spot that I want to be. Because, like, man, I don't know. I'm 26. It's not that old, but it's not that young either. And uh, life only happens once, as far as I know, anyways. So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to be there for my kid when he's available and shit like that. You know, I don't want to. Even if it's optional, I don't want to be a piece of shit. Uh, you know, and drowning it out and all that kind of stuff. You know, well, you don't. You want to break the generational cycle. I mean, that's that's the yeah. the irony of it is like, despite how much we may like resent our parents, oftentimes we'll just turn into them. And, and another thing about that is like, yeah, man. Well, I'm finally willing to just not care. I mean, God, real or not, I'm willing to just drop my stuff and my resentments about anything and my ideas of anything and just roll with something a little brighter than what I had going on. You right. Know what I'm yeah. It's like, like I, I, the white flag's up and I don't care what the fix is. Like, so I'm going to church. I'm going to AA meetings. That's I true. don't care how dumb they are. You went to are. church this morning. <laughs> yes, I did. I don't care how stupid I think they are sometimes. I'm going to go. Because it works for a lot of people, and I'm willing to give it a shot. You know, what well, I'm saying? So. and that's just uh, standard textbook de- definition of like you finally got to a place of powerlessness and unmanageability, and you're like, I may not know what this other life is like, but I sure as shit know that I'm miserable the way I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's like that quote that that one that I I kind of stole from my program director, but I said it one time, and you were like. Man, that was awesome, but you didn't say it quite loud enough. When I got my nine month ship one time, it was uh, when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of staying the same. Yeah, you know, it's good. It's a good one. It's true. Yeah. It's a tr- it's very true too. I mean, it's like it's like what finally got me sober. It wasn't necessarily a collapse. Well, I mean, the consequences were there, but it was just like I'm stuck, and yeah. this is awful, and I'm gonna like, keep getting and stuck. I, yeah, and yeah, th- it, it, the knowledge it's like more than impending doom it's like it's like i know that that doom is coming and it's like there's nothing i can do about it yeah dude well i'm super glad you're you're with us it's like uh congregation this this is another one like brad where it's like one of my friends that's just been struggling for the longest um that we always just hope and pray for sobriety and you know so far so good man keep doing what you're doing um yeah Come back and check in on us. Definitely will. Later, dude. Later. We were young and hunted all fit.
figured out she was the quiet one in eye out the mouth until she fell to a knee. I got, I got a whole story. Are you saying something? Did, are you what? offended? Are you triggered? No, I was just listening to the interview. And I was getting a little salty. A little salty. <laughs> little talk salty. About, talk to me about front problems, bro. Uh, Frontal lobe. Not to, not a wee wee joke, Jed. I guess we could we could tell the story of how you want to tell how you punched Brent in the face. No, I don't want to talk about All right, that. Fine. Point is, I punched him multiple times, and from what I've been told, I was, I, it, I was, it oh, looked fair. Oh, this looked is fair. So... sexy. It was sexy. What I was told. <laughs> so front problems, eh? Yeah, frontal lobe problems. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think a lobotomy is like a sweet release from uh, the coils of this mortal plane? No, oh, dude. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recover from a self-inflicted drug-induced lobotomy, bro. What are you talking about? Well, I think that um, people who use a lot of stimulants, they get frontal lobe damage and just drugs in general. Oh yeah, for sure. Lobes, and that's what they're messing with when they mess with the lobotomy, man. They're messing with. They're just severing a connection between the frontal lobe and the rest of your brain or something like that yeah and so I, I have damage there i would cause like me to i would think that people panic attacks are being bitches yeah I've even had, though i've panic attacked yet I, you know what i mean yeah no i had problems I with that too because i would it, it's it's my same issue i think i've talked to this before about people that are like oh my god my ocd is acting up when what they really mean is like i like things clean or they'll say like, "Oh my gosh, I, have, I have, I didn't turn it like when I would work at CC's Coffee and like I, I worked with a bunch of uh, uh, either seniors in high school or like freshmen and sophomores in college, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, I don't think I did good on that test. I'm like legit having a serious panic attack. You do not know the stress I'm under." And I'm like, oh, "I don't yeah? like Have you ever, you ever broken a needle off in your arm and had to call a doctor <laughs> to try to fish that shit out? That's panic, all right? You wanna, you, you know, you ever, you ever I had to." That protect your sweet booty hole in prison from grown men like that's stress yeah. you I'm not saying I had to do that but you don't have to physically protect it we've talked about this before it's a mental it's game it's a mental game you gotta be okay. you got to be strong enough you can't, you there's to gonna be, be they're gonna take you down a path and if you don't get there's gonna be certain times where you exit it's it's, like, it's, it's like a fucked up game of gu- wait 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 it's like it's like a real life 
terrible game of Dungeons and Dragons in which the dungeon is your booty and the dragon are the men coming after it. And like, if you if you roll a two, like it's over with for you. Bro. Yeah, you you really have no control. Yeah, you're not gonna know when the time to exit is until very shortly after before it happens. Yeah, it's, when- it's, 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 there's no warning sign when you're. Think of it as like an interstate, and the destination is butt rape. Okay, <laughs> now you're driving down the interstate. Now there's only there's going to be exits and you're, normally they warn you, hey, get off here if you don't want to get butt raped, you know. But eventually it's just going to be a long stretch and there's going to be no exits. <laughs> and, and like and your your and you gaslight see, comes on. Yeah. And that's you when you know your cell phone it, signal cuts out and you're like, yeah. man, you know you you yeah. look over and, and you know you, all, everyone in the car is asleep and you're tired too and it's like I should have gotten off back there, shouldn't I? I should have got off. Last six. I don't know if I'm gonna. And then, yeah, car wreck. Or... Yeah. I don't know if the car wreck is escape from sweet escape from booty. The car wreck would be the fight that you have to get into in order to escape the inevitable booty rape. Right. It's not rape at the because the the road leads to consensual butt sex. <laughs> the car crash in this metaphor would be. Either non-consensual or, you know, some type of... The best, the best you can hope for is to be knocked unconscious and wake up in the hospital. <laughs> right? The best you can hope for. And, and Come back a bonus. No, a bonus is if you get amnesia, too. So you, you wake up and you just ask the doctor what happened. He says, oh, you don't remember? Oh, well, you slipped in the shower. Okay. Non-consensual. Non-consensual butt sex. That's... <laughs> Tell him you slipped. Tell him you slipped in the shower. Um, I I knocked that dude out. Yeah. <laughs> after you get put on a new line, because yeah. they're gonna put you in a new area after you get. Yeah, and then you, you gotta get hear a story. You gotta tell them why you're there. Oh yeah, man, you should see the other guy though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was. I mean, that was a good metaphor. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe we should like. Uh, we should be professional metaphor writers. Hey, did you hear about um, the newest uh, deterrent to shooting up in convenience store bathrooms? Does it shoot PP all over you constantly? <laughs> did that ever stop you before? No, that wouldn't have stopped me. Right. No, so they, um, they're they stocking uh, bathrooms with blue lights. Not like black lights, but blue lights. So it's like impossible to see your veins under that light. For real? Yeah, that's like a real thing. Isn't that interesting? Do they? Do people? I mean, I, I can't imagine like a lot of people die in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Got, like, I bet you, if you work at Circle K for like a year, one person's gonna die in your bathroom. Or at the very least, like, be unconscious. Okay. Yeah. How many times have you OD'd in a bathroom? Never, but I did my I did know uh, someone that I was dating OD'd in a um, Walgreens bathroom. Yeah, that's right. Talk about irony. Right? That is I'm irony. Like, yeah. Do something for her. And they're like, we can't do it. We don't. What do you think we? What do you think we're a medical like <laughs> supply store of some sort? Like, no, there's nothing we can do. She's dying. She needs Narcan. And then I like had to like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. Normally, if you overdose, they arrest you. Yeah, Which really that's well. Causes people to die. I, it's like they're, they change, I they're to, changing I, that. 
Because before I got medical assistance for her, this is fucked up. I mean, I had to like, I felt like I had to go and hide all of the paraphernalia, which was an extra minute. Yeah, could have been life, life life-saving minutes. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, I remember I was uh, panicked. Right. <laughs> this is this was a panic attack. <laughs> I was I was uh, I was in a Burger King bathroom on uh, Florida Boulevard, and I was shooting cocaine. And like, when you're shooting cocaine, you're only gonna hit cocaine. You're only gonna hit maybe one out of three because you're shaking so bad. So like, I had right. probably hadn't it's actually. Awkward. Yeah, I'm I'm just shooting it into my muscle like at this point, but it still works. Yeah, but so I hadn't had like a I hadn't actually hit myself probably in like two days, and so. I'm in the bathroom, and you get increasingly frustrated, and you do bigger and bigger shots. And I actually, it was almost a mistake. Like, I hit it. And I was like, oh, no. And I, like, (laughs) I, I, you know, it's like when you, you know, the countdown has started to, like, complete freak out. And, like, it was way too big of a shot. So I busted out the bathroom, and I busted out the door. And as soon as I hit the door, the legs gave out, and I couldn't walk. So I fell against the wall. Why did you run out the bathroom? I just panicked. I panicked. I, I can't panicked. Do this I wasn't. I, all of a sudden, the only thing in my head was, "I gotta get out of here." And they so know. I'm, I'm leaning against the wall, like, like straight, like, like you know, like Mr. Bean, like when his legs will give out or something, yeah. like straight comedy. And I make it outside, <laughs> and then I just spend the next five or six minutes trying to unlock my door like the next day my my around my keyhole was just scratched up because i just could not get the key in the hole and then i finally get in and sit in my car and i look up and like the entirety of the restaurant is just staring at me because i parked right in front facing the windows (laughs) and it was just so awful so awful Yeah, that was a better idea than just staying in the bathroom. Did you ever think... If I'm going to die, it's not going to be in a Burger King bathroom on Florida Boulevard. I'll I'll go in my car like a man. For anybody who doesn't know, I I would say this is a funny metaphor. Imagine a Skrillex song, okay? Now, the one... like Or any just like EDM song, you know, there's always a build-up. You know, it's got like the... It's like, you know, and then it, and then it's like, blah, 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 blah. all of a sudden it's borderline yeah, it's, unlistenable. It's totally crazy, right? That's what it's like when you, <laughs> that's yeah. what I heard in my head when I thought, it's okay, true. he hits it's the true. shot. It's yeah. like, oh, it's happening. Yeah. And then there's nothing I can do to stop it. And I didn't plan on this. The blah, is is when you're. Standing and you can't get in your car. Uh, <laughs> watching you. You should, that's you a video right it. there. That is a video right that's there. So that's so funny, dude. That is good. <laughs> it's really funny, dude. I mean, because... it's pretty specific, though, to people that, that either smoke crack or shoot cocaine, though. But it will still be that, funny that, to that me. Kinda, so yeah, that's funny. funny to me. Yeah. yeah, so I guess this is a good time. Me, me and Brad are gonna, um, we're gonna be attempting to launch soon a YouTube channel with uh, Jeremiah Peebles type videos and funnier. I don't, it, it, it's not gonna be like directly related to church and other drugs, except that like me and Brad 
are on Church and Other Drugs, but it'll just be a comedy channel. So be looking for that soon. Give us some love if you're into absurdist comedy stuff. It will be very absurd, but it should be funny. It will be, yeah. If you think if you if, if you think I'm funny, check it out. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, but let's uh, let's get out of here. Send me an email at churchonthedrugs at gmail dot com. Um check out if you want to hear the failed version of of the episode, the interview we just aired, you can hear it on patreon.com slash church and other drugs. Uh, it's pretty good. And, and that one includes Dirty Mike, but we had to, we figured out that trying to record three of us with Dirty Mike just wasn't working out. What with his old man memory. <laughs> Go check it out.